Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Head of Market Strategy here at eBrew, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Senior Market Analyst Roman Zuruk. Welcome back, everyone, to our first episode of FX Talk of 2024. I hope everyone had uh, an enjoyable and peaceful Christmas, New Year's and holiday break and looking forward to the year ahead. Uh, On our last episode of FX Talk before Christmas, we discussed the fallout from the December Big Three central bank policy meetings and gave our thoughts on what we thought were the most surprising performances in FX in 2023. Uh, This week, we're going to turn our attention to 2024 and give our thoughts on what we believe will be the main talking points, uh, themes and uh, events to look out for in markets this year, uh, while giving our thoughts on what we think will be some of the best and worst performance in currencies in the coming 12 months. And now attention in markets in 2023 was very much on the ongoing efforts of central banks globally to bring down rates of inflation. Policymakers continue to raise rates aggressively, particularly in the first half of last year. While this has helped bring down rates of inflation, it has also contributed to much weaker growth in many instances, most notably in Europe. Uh, But focus has now very much turned to when these central banks will start cutting rates, both the timing of the first rate reductions and the extent of easing expected in 2024. Uh, Activity data is also likely to be highly important this year as investors are now fearing recessions in the major economic areas, uh, including uh, in the US, which performed very well in 2023. Uh, The investment environment is likely to be complicated further by political events with the US presidential election and the UK general election, the two noteworthy political events that are set to take place later in the year. Uh, But what do you both think? What do you see as the main drivers of currencies in 2024? And perhaps maybe give us a a taste of some of your main calls for currencies this year. Well, clearly the uh, pace and the extent of central bank cuts uh, will be the driver in at least in the major currencies in G10. Um, The key, in my view, will be whether this surprisingly strong disinflationary trends that we saw in the last half of last year continues into this year. Um, The... Uh, issue for me is that uh, going from 6% core inflation that we had mid-summer to 4% is going to be a lot easier. It's going, it was relatively easy going from 4%, which is the rough levels we are everywhere, to 2%, which are the central bank targets, will be harder. And especially since we're starting to see uh, wages, which are much stickier than prices, settle at levels that are consistent with more than 4% inflation than with 2% inflation. I think that the current expectations of of central bank cuts are likely to be disappointed. Uh, cuts are likely to be uh, fewer in, in number and later in the year. And I think that uh, overall, that may be a positive for um, currencies like um, the euro, uh, but any appreciating turn in the euro will be a mild one because both the Fed and the ECB will be constraining their ability to cut rates. In the first uh, couple of quarters, or uh, maybe even the three quarters of um, this year, I think the attention should focus 
primarily on rates. Uh, so markets will be uh, particularly attentive to economic data, uh, especially on inflation and uh, labor market, because uh, yes, the disinflation process that we witnessed uh, last year uh, has been generally quite smooth and impressive in many cases. But this uh, last stretch of disinflation may prove to be to an extent, a challenge, and the situation in the labor market uh, will probably be uh, one of the more important things uh, with regards to seeing how this um, develops. So, um, yes, that definitely the attention uh, should be on that uh, in, in main economies. But uh, towards the later stages of the year, uh, the attention should move to politics with the U.S. elections coming up. Um, also, uh, there are, I feel, uh, a lot more uh, geopolitical risks uh, right now that some of them have materialized and they are still with us uh, and they will be lingering in, in the background. But uh, we have, of course, war in Ukraine, which is still ongoing. And there is the Middle East. Uh, we have uh, some other risks uh, with regards to China and perhaps also Korea. So uh, there is a lot of things, a lot of uh, headlines which could shift the markets at unexpected times. So I think that, uh, yeah, we should be attentive to everything that is going on, not only in uh, macroeconomic news. Uh, however, when it comes to a broader picture of the uh, environment for the FX market, I think we should probably see uh, limited volatility, uh, not uh, such significant swings that we have uh, been accustomed to in previous years. Uh, I think that in general, the high beta currencies uh, should be doing relatively well, especially those uh, which seem undervalued. So I'm thinking probably the Scandinavian currencies uh, when it comes to the, the major currencies. Uh, and I generally am optimistic when it comes to emerging market currencies and risk sentiment in, in general. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think that the huge rallies are in store in 2024. I think the any gains that those currencies will uh, be able to realize will probably be rather limited. Uh, and in case of some EM currencies, uh, especially those that seem expensive on the valuation basis, uh, I think that they perhaps uh, will not appreciate or even may uh, lose some of their earlier gains. Uh, and those currencies would probably be um, currencies such as the Czech Kruna or, or Mexican Peso. Uh, so yes, I, I generally think that perhaps a bit of a calmer year than the ones that we had in the past few years uh, will uh, is ahead of us. Yeah, well, as clearly as you mentioned, I mean, I think uh, central bank policy is obviously going to be very important still uh, in the, in certainly in the near term. Um, the the last two years has very much been uh, the the race to terminal interest rates, whereas the next sort of year or so, I think, will be uh, the the opposite, and we'll see the race to the neutral level of interest rates among these major central banks. Um, now obviously, we won't see the return to the, the post-financial crisis, zero percent interest rates, but expectations for how quickly we get to those neutral levels, whether that be say three, three and a half percent in the major economic areas, um, will obviously be very important for currencies, at least in the, the sort of first half um, of this year. Um, but, but as we've mentioned, I, mean, I think the, uh, this is also one of the, the biggest years for politics that, that we've seen for some time. Um, particularly for those that either trade or have exposure to sterling against the dollar. Uh, the, the last time we had a, a US presidential election and a UK general election in the same year, 
uh, was as far back as 1992. That's over 30 years ago. It was actually only a year after I was born. Uh, and before then, you have to go all the way back to 1900 uh, for the for the, the time before that, before we had uh, both the US and UK elections in the same year, which shows just how uncommon um, uh, this is. Um, and not only will they take place in the same year, but it could well be the case that we could see both of these elections within the space of uh, around about a month or so. Um, if you consider, we also have elections in the European Parliament as well this year. Um, obviously, that tees up a, a highly eventful and, and potentially volatile second half of the year. Um, and I think um, it, it would perhaps be maybe a little bit naive to, to suggest that this year would be uh, a quieter one, I think, with um, with central banks globally looking likely to, to cut rates perhaps even more aggressively than we had, we had thought a few months ago. Uh, and with all those um, uncertainties surrounding the elections, not just the results of the elections, but any potential policy changes, um, I, I would perhaps push back against uh, your, your, your sentiment, Roman, that we could see a quieter year, I actually think. Um, it, it may may well be a, an even more eventful one um, than we saw last year, if you take into account uh, the potential ramifications um, from these these elections. Perhaps towards the end of the year. Absolutely. I think that would certainly be the case. Um, let's move on to our second main topic now, and uh, we'll turn our attention to our expectations for the global economy. Um, now, the performance of the global economy looks likely to remain key for financial markets this year. Uh, particularly amid a number of challenges uh, to growth, namely tight monetary conditions, uh, still very elevated inflation, particularly uh, in the core indices, which strip out the volatile price components. Um, we're seeing signs of a calling in labour markets, albeit only relatively modest uh, signs of weakening so far. We're also likely to get reduced fiscal support due to the end of cost of living programmes, um, and as we mentioned, uh, political uncertainty will be very high towards the end of this year, notably, of course, in the US and the UK. Uh, now, the IMF is expecting global growth to remain roughly similar this year relative to 2023, although it sees a little bit of a disparate performance whereby economies in the likes of uh, the US and China slow down, whereas those in Europe perhaps pick up pace following a very underwhelming performance in 2023. But do we agree with this assessment? Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the global economy this year? Do you see a, a better performance or a slightly worse performance? Uh, and what are the main risks of growth do you see in 2024? I mean, I it's not a very interesting opinion, but I, I tend to agree uh, with the scenario you just laid out. I think that uh, labor markets being at or at full employment pretty much across the G10 uh, guarantees that the consumer will remain strong. Traditionally, the consumer has not been impacted significantly by political concerns. So the 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 uh, impact that politics is going to have on markets that you rightly point out later in the year should be much more muted when it comes to consumer spending. And I think across the major economies, you're going to have a, a, a repeat of this year. Uh, strong growth in the U.S., uh, much less so in Europe. Uh, always supported by consumer spending uh, and a relatively strong services sector, while the manufacturing sector waits for China to uh, get over or to nationalize the uh, the problems caused by the property crisis. Uh, I think I expect to see that increasingly over this year. 
And as that happens, the manufacturing sector should start um, expanding once again, both in the U.S. and, and Euro. So, yeah, in, in, to summarize, not uh, very much uh, similar year this year to what 2023 was. I would also uh, tend to agree with with the boring opinion of the consensus that we are going to have a, a very similar uh, 2024, at least when it comes to global growth. Uh, we are probably going to have uh, a bit of a slowdown in the US uh, compared to 2023, uh, considering that the uh, economy will feel the uh, full force of uh, monetary policy tightening that took place. Uh, when it comes to Eurozone, we already uh, are in uh, pretty much non-growth uh, environment and I think probably this is going to linger for some time but then improve uh, so effectively on an all-year basis we are probably going to be looking at something similar to 2023 perhaps a bit uh, better uh, I'm very hopeful about Eastern Europe because this is where we are going to see a significant change uh, for the better, uh, we are likely going to see strong growth, which contrasts with a poor performance in of 2023. Uh, when it comes to Asia, it probably is going to be relatively uh, similar. Uh, some forecasts for, for particular countries, let's say, for instance, India, they are exactly the same as they were a year ago. Uh, some countries, uh, such as China, will probably see a, a slower uh, growth. Uh, and generally, I think that all of this will combine to a, a growth a landscape that would be uh, more of the same that we had in uh, 2023. When it comes to, to risks, um, of course, the, the risks that we had in 2023 uh, will probably uh, still remain. Uh, so situation in China, situation in Germany will be important. Uh, inflation situation, uh, and especially in the context of the developments in the labor market, uh, this is something uh, that would be particularly important for me, uh, whether the tight labor markets will lead to a... Uh, a resurgence of inflation or at least uh, will prevent the inflation from uh, falling towards uh, the targets and, and staying within those targets and how it will affect growth. But uh, yeah, I think overall uh, we are going to be looking at uh, similar growth rates. Well, I'm going to go slightly against the grain here then, I guess, because um, I think if you look at the IMS projections uh, relative to actual growth rates that we've seen since the turn of this century, actually, the IMF has a bit of a penchant for overestimating the extent of growth uh, and has done so on almost every year, actually, since since the year 2000. Um, I would suggest, again, that, that there maybe there is a slightly greater risk that they do so again uh, in 2024. Um, you know, on the one hand, we will have lower rates of inflation, notably um, you know, lower energy prices relative to well, at least 2022. Um, central bank interest rates of peaks, real wage growth is now positive, which should be supportive of the growth outlook. Um, I, I would argue, however, that we, we will continue to see uh, the, the lagged impact of higher interest rates um, on, on household disposable incomes and purchasing power, particularly, of course, in those countries where fixed term mortgage rates are the norm. Um, and that tends to lead to a slightly more lagged uh, impact from higher rates on on domestic demand, and I think we're still yet to see uh, the full effects um, of those aggressive tightening cycles. Um, if we look at pandemic savings as well, they continue to be eroded, uh, and I think we'll see less of a buffer um, from from household savings uh, this year. 
labour markets uh, are also cooling, albeit still remain pretty strong. But I think we'll see continued signs uh, of a deterioration in, in the jobs market. Um, uh, and while rates of a change in consumer prices, i.e. inflation, is easing, uh, we're still seeing prices remain pretty elevated. Um, and, and inflation rates, I, I would suspect, will remain above target uh, in, in most nations in the coming 12 months. And if, you, of course, you throw in the uncertainty created by uh, political events, as we've mentioned, particularly in the US, UK, uh, I, I would suggest that the balance of risk may be lead to, or that may be pointing to slightly weaker growth um, in 2024 on, on the whole, particularly, I think, if we consider how well the US did last year, I don't think we'll see a repeat performance this year. Uh, and given the, the uncertainties that we're seeing in China, um, particularly with regards to its, its property sector, uh, I think that's going to um, provide a, a, a stumbling block to growth this year. And um, I think it may be difficult at least to see stronger growth this year relative to 2023. Great, let's move on and, and wrap up now with um, what we think and give our opinion on what we think will be the best and worst performers uh, in the FX market in the coming year. Uh, now, it could be individual currencies or it could be a region that we think will either outperform, first of all, uh, and then underperform uh, relative to its peers. Um, so over to you guys. Maybe perhaps we'll start with Roman this time just to mix it up a little bit. Uh, so Roman, what, which currency do you think will outperform this year uh, and why? And then maybe give us um, uh, an example of which currency you think will underperform. And again, uh, a reason as to why you think that would be the case. When it comes to the outperformer, uh, my pick would be the Japanese yen. Uh, it was uh, heavily uh, sold off during the previous year. It looks very cheap on a valuation basis. Uh, and we are awaiting shifts in monetary policy, which should be supportive uh, of the yen. So on the one hand, we are likely going to get, uh, at least in my opinion, some tightening from the Bank of Japan. And uh, contrasting with it, we are going to have uh, rate cuts in main economies, uh, which should support the currency. So this would be a choice. And I think it probably is the most obvious choice uh, when it comes to uh, outperformers, uh, particularly in uh, main economies. When it comes to underperformers, I would also pick a safe haven, uh, this time a Swiss franc. Uh, it, it is because it's just so uh, expensive, uh, contrary to, to Japanese yen, which is very, very cheap. Uh, and I think that the Swiss National Bank uh, will move towards cutting uh, rates uh, with inflation being under control. Uh, I don't think that they would hold off for too long. Uh, and uh, in general, uh, even in the recent uh, month or so, we have seen a significant appreciation of the Swiss franc. So it got an even more expensive. So based on the valuation uh, and based on the expectations for monetary policy shifts, uh, those would be my two picks for the outperformer and underperformer. Well, my turn at this time, you stole them for me. Um, I think that it's the case you laid out for both of those is unimpeachable. My only worry would be the level of consensus that is developing around how expensive the Swiss franc is and how cheap the Japanese yen is. But the the fundamentals are unimpeachable. I'm going to do, pick, uh, do a couple more exotic picks on the on the outperformer. I will pick the Chilean peso, which has been the laggard among very well performing Latin American currencies. I think that the market has been worrying too much about how quickly the central bank is, has cut rates uh, relative to its peers and not has not paid enough attention to 
the improvement of the political situation there. We have probably the best uh, outcome of the recent constitutional tussle, which is uh, Chile will neither have a right wing or a left wing constitution. It will remain with the existing one, which I think is the the best case scenario for uh, investors and for macroeconomic stability. Uh, That's for the outperformer. The underperformer, uh, a currency that I'm very worried about is the South African RAND. We have serious tail risks with an election coming up in 2024. Uh, state that continues to struggle to provide basic services like security, electricity, and so on and so forth. Uh, I, whereas I would hesitate to make a direct forecast, I think that this the the major emerging market currency in which we have a, a bigger tail risk of uh, a serious devaluation in 2024. Yes, well, look for me. I mean, uh, outperformer again. I've, I've gone. I've gone very similar. I've gone for the Japanese yen as well. Um, I, you know, I think this year is, is setting up to be a, a good one for the yen. Um, following the, the very sharp sell-off we've seen in the last certainly last year or two, um, and, and of course the, the, the big talking point is uh, when we'll see that, that the, the first interest rate hike from the Bank of Japan. Uh, I think we'll get that relatively soon, even if we have to wait until maybe April. Um, or May time, I think we'll get the first hike and a few more after that, which should um, be, be positive for the yen, particularly at a time when pretty much every other major central bank and central banks globally are, are cutting interest rates. Um, for the underperformer, um, I, I did think of the Swiss franc as well, but I've gone for the, the Mexican peso, um, which we may not all agree on, but um, I think this is a currency that uh, at current levels is very highly valued. Um, certainly if we look at, at the peso a real effective exchange rate terms over the last few years is trading at very elevated levels, which leaves it uh, potentially prone to a bit of a reversal. Uh, and the peso is, is generally one which is, is popular uh, from a carry trade perspective, uh, tends to, to perform well uh, during an environment of rising interest rates. Um, and potentially that leaves it open to uh, a bit of an underperformance, I think, um, in, a, in a world and an environment where interest rates are falling pretty sharply. Um, so for me, Japanese yen for the outperformer uh, and Mexican peso would be my underperformer for 2024. Mexican peso was my second choice for an underperformer. Yeah, I think the case there is, is quite strong. It's, it's, to me, it is like a Latin American Czech corona. <laughs> And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebreed's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening. <laughs>